0: Hey, I'm Dave, and thanks so much for checking out today's message. We're so glad that you are here, and we would love to get connected to you and your family. So one easy way to do that is that you can text the word "River Connect" to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some of our upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give today to the River Church, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website, Click on the give tab right at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. So I always like to think of myself as a fairly patient person and uh, you know, that's one of the things where I, I do think the Lord has given me some grace in that I used to never be patient. Uh, the smallest little hint of having to wait for anything would just send me into a downward spiral of frustration. Um, but I would say for the most part, I am a fairly patient person, right? Like, uh, the the Lord has really put me in a position where I do a lot of teaching, right? And when I teach people who are slow learners, it doesn't really bother me. I, I've been with, I, I'm a slow learner myself, and I've been with some teachers that get really frustrated at me because they are not patient with me. But uh, maybe it's because I understand slow learners because I am one, but uh, I've just tended to be more patient. But even like in the minute things, right? Like, I know, like, traffic is something that bothers a lot of people, and it's kind of like you talk about, you know, being frustrated with traffic and pretty much everyone identifies. Like, I understand being frustrated with traffic. I have been frustrated with traffic, but, like, I am definitely not the road rage type of person. Most of the time, I'm fairly patient, and my wife is the one who's irritated with me because I'm the one that's driving under the speed limit. Because I'm just putzing along, just hanging out, right? Like I don't really. Even if I have someplace to be, I'm like, eh, you know, like we'll get there when we get there. Um, or like for me, the DMV. If we're really on the topic of driving there's so all these people who get really frustrated at the DMV. The DMV does not really bother me, right? I'll just wait. I'll just hang out. You know, I can sit on my phone. I don't care. I'll, I'm just waiting, just just hanging out. And so like, there's like things like that where some of you guys are like, man, Justin is crazy. You're like, I've never heard of anything like that. But there are some things that even push my patience level to the max. And for me, one of the things that really tests my patience, the thing that like, I am probably the least patient of all time is slow internet. Slow internet. And maybe that tells you how old I am and what era I grew up in, but slow internet bothers me to no end, right? Like, If I have to download something on my computer and it's not done like this, right, like that, like just immediate... I'm like getting up, checking my Wi-Fi router. I'm like, you know, texting my wife, are you downloading something? Like, I need this to be downloaded right now. I'm like testing my speed, my internet speed. So I'm like, what could possibly be making my internet this slow? This is taking forever, forever. And it is so frustrating to me when there's really nothing I can do and all I have to do is Wait. And the reason why it's really frustrating me for me to wait when I'm downloading something or when I have really slow internet is because I don't really know what to do while I wait. Right? Like in the DMV, I just get on my phone. When it's slow internet, it's like if I get on my phone, I'm gonna have to wait longer, right? Like the internet is gonna be even slower. Or, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just go do something else on my computer. I'll get more work done. And it's like, well, that's running slow now, right? Like, everything has been slowed down, and I, like, I don't even know what to do. I'm like, all right, I might as well take the dog on a walk, you know? Like, I have to just figure out what to do while I wait. And so, honestly, my, my favorite pastime for what to do while I wait for slow internet is to complain, Really, that is my favorite hobby for when there's slow internet is to complain. I sit there and I just go, ah, oh, you know, like I'll be texting my wife. I'm like, can you believe how slow the internet is? You know, like I can't even figure this out. I'm going to call the, the internet company and complain. Like what the heck is going on? And I just love to sit and complain while I wait. And it's interesting to try and see how people respond when they wait in situations, right? Sometimes people will wait and they try and solve the problem. Sometimes they criticize or they complain or whatever it may be, but there, we all have a different response to waiting. But as believers, as people who say that we follow Jesus Christ, who say that uh, we believe that He is Savior and that He is die, that He died and He rose again for our sins and that we've repented on our sins, uh, of our sins, as believers, right, we are all waiting. That's what we're doing. As we live and as we breathe in this world, what we're doing is waiting. We're waiting for the return of Jesus. We're waiting for him to come back and for him to get rid of all pain and all hurt and all brokenness and all hardship. And we're waiting for him to make all things new. And for us to have or be in this new heaven and this new earth. And as we wait We live in this world that is full of brokenness. It's full of hurt. It's full of hardship. It's full of frustration. It's full of slow internet, right? And as we wait and as we live in this world, many of us show our lack of patience by how we respond to the world. We show our lack of patience by what we choose to do or how we choose to live. Or more importantly, as we're going to look at tonight, how we interact with the rest of the world. And what it truly shows is, as believers, as we wait, we don't understand what we're supposed to be doing. We don't understand what we're supposed to be doing as we wait. And so we resort to what we always do when we wait. Instead of accomplishing our mission, instead of doing what God has called us to, we cause others hurt, we complain, we criticize, or we just try and fit in while we wait. And it just leads to deeper and deeper and deeper hurt and misunderstanding. But before we jump in tonight, and we, before we look at our, our passage this evening, let's take a minute and pray together, if you would, bow your heads with me. Lord, we come to you. Lord, we come to you and we wait for you. Lord, we wait for you to return. Lord, we look to you, we look to your coming, and we wait and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have patience. Lord, and tonight, as we look at how we should respond to the world that we're waiting in, Lord, I pray that you help us to understand what that means for us personally. Lord, and the gospel would be evident in our lives. In your precious name, Jesus' name, amen. So if you would, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29. And we've been in this series, uh, we've been, we've been diving into this series on bringing it to the table. And we've been talking through what it means to walk through difficult conversations or difficult relationships to address conflict and divisive issues and how the hope of the gospel brings reconciliation and healing to those different things. And last week, uh, Pastor John from our Flushing location, he did a fantastic job. If you did not have a chance to hear from him last week, go check it out on our website. He did such a fantastic job. But he talked about how we can address people with kindness and and a, a myriad of different ways for us to take a look at how to do that in our own individual lives, right? From individual to individual, right? We have all hurt people. We've all caused pain and we've all been hurt by people. And so there's this need to interact with other individuals who we've hurt and who've hurt us and bring healing. And he talked a lot about how that happens and how God calls us to do that. And tonight I want to take a step uh, back out of that individual-to-individual relationship and take a look at how we as Christians should address the brokenness in our environment. Or the word that I'm going to use a lot tonight is communities. Now when I say communities, I I mean both on the massive level of our country, our culture, uh, Michigan, uh, you, maybe your neighborhood, but I also mean the community of people who are around you, your friends, your family, maybe those those relationships that you really don't have a choice in having, right? The, the, the people who surround you and who don't know Jesus, but you have them in your life and really there's no getting rid of them. And so tonight we're going to take a look at how God wants us to address that situation, how he wants us to live in our communities, both as a country and as a culture, but as maybe a family that we're a part of or a neighborhood, And to do that, we're gonna take a look at what God had to say to the nation of Israel. And so a little bit of background to Jeremiah 29. What had happened was the nation of Israel were were God's chosen people, right? God chose this nation to be his people, and he gave them a set of directions. He said, hey, this is how I want you to live. In order for you to remain my people, in order for you to remain following me, here are the things that you need to do. You need to follow these rules, and you need to obey my commands, And the nation of Israel did that for a period of time. They followed Him and they were very, they were very fervent about their worship for the Lord and their obedience to Him. But then they kind of became complacent. And over a period of time, they began to look more and more and more and more like the nations around them. And so much so that they began to just completely disobey God and even to the point where they began worshiping false gods. They began to worship other gods and make idols and worship uh, you know, false religions that the other nations had and they just began to assimilate and, and look like everyone else. And so God said, fine, if you want to look like everyone else, uh, I will protect you like I protect everyone else. And that's not at all. And so he removed his protection from the nation of Israel. And what happened was, because all of these people saw how the nation of Israel looking, they hated the nation of Israel. And so Babylon specifically was this great empire and they came in and they laid waste to the nation of Israel, specifically the great and holy city of Jerusalem. And they took all the people who lived there and they brought them into exile. And so God allowed the nation of Israel to be put into exile where they were living in a place that was completely foreign to them. They were living over in Babylon. And God said, you know what? Here's the thing. You need to learn from the mistakes that you've made. And so you're going to be in exile for a while and you're going to wait, but I'm a forgiving God and I care for my people. And so I will eventually bring you out, but wait, wait there. And as they waited, In Babylon, there were people who saw this as an opportunity to garner uh, power and influence and authority. And so what they did was, in an effort to make their exile more palatable and get people to listen to them, they started telling people that they had heard different things from God. And so there were kind of two main messages that people, or that these false prophets, these false teachers were telling to the nation of Israel. The first one was this. They said, you know what? God wants us to be here, and he's the one that that let them come and take us. And so we should look exactly like Babylon. We should fit in. We should conform. We don't need to keep following God because... We weren't following God and that's why we're here. So we might as well not follow God anymore. And so God kind of told us that we should just kind of fit in, that we're going to be part of the new Babylon. And so, you know, you don't really need to worry so much about obeying God. You don't need to worry so much about, you know, being obedient. You can just kind of do you. And then the second side of people said, here, this is actually an opportunity. God, he had us in exile so that we could come over here and that we could stir up trouble. We could cause a ruckus. And what we should be doing is we should be complaining. We should be criticizing the people and telling them how godless and heathens they are. And we should be doing everything we can to stir up trouble and to make it difficult for everyone that's around us so that they want us out of here so bad that eventually they get rid of us or we could start a rebellion and take over the city. God's giving us this opportunity to take over this land. So there is kind of these two ideas. There's one side that was like, hey, we should just conform and fit in. There's this other side that was like, we just need to make it as miserable for the people around us as possible. And God said, no. No. You missed it. You don't understand. And so God, he speaks through the prophet Jeremiah, the true prophet. And he has Jeremiah send this letter to the people in exile and to give them the the reason why they're waiting and to instruct them on what to do while they wait. In exile. And that's where we're gonna pick up in Jeremiah chapter 29. We're gonna be starting in verse 4. It says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I am sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So we see right away in this letter. Jeremiah is addressing it and he's saying exactly who it came from. You should not be mistaken. It is from God directly to y'all. Listen up. Verse five. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage "...that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel... Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. He says, All those people who are telling you all these different things about what to do while you're waiting, they are mistaken. In fact, they're lying to you. I did not send them. He says, You've heard to conform. You've heard to cause a ruckus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to live among them. I don't want you to be them. I want you to live among them, build houses, get together, be a part of this city. Don't be the city. Don't be Babylon, but be a part of it and seek their prosperity. So much so, seek their prosperity so much so that you're aiding them in what helps them, but then be praying for them. Continue to live there, multiply, be together, build houses, have families because you're gonna be there for a bit, but don't cause trouble, don't stir up hardship, don't hate, don't sit back and criticize. In fact, do what's best for the city live to help make your city a play, a better place to be and what more pray for the city pray and ask god to bless it seek what is best for it don't conform and don't hate but seek it and seek what's best for it and pray and as i look at this passage and as i look how many churches In our world today, and how many how Christians in our world today respond to their community? Like I said, when I say community, I say all the all the way up from our country and our world and our culture down to our families. I see that this message that is from God through Jeremiah to the nation of Israel is many times addressed to us as well. And so in order for us to understand our situation and and how we fit in to this this message, I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. To understand how we fit in, we have to understand that we are foreigners in our communities. That we're different. That something is different about us. As we follow Jesus, as we believe that he is our savior, right? That we were sinful, that we were lost, and that through belief and repentance of our sins and belief in his death and resurrection, that we have been saved. That as we lived as saved people, as believers, people who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can look and we see we are different. And Paul, as he writes to the Philippians in Philippians 3, he says, this is crucial to understand. And in Philippians 3, verse 20, he says this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, so here's the thing. You are not citizens of your country. You are not citizens of your community. You are not citizens of your neighborhood. You are a citizen of heaven. Your home address isn't truly Oakland County. It's heaven. It's God's house. And so you have to understand that you are a foreigner, that you are living in a world that is not ever gonna understand you. You are, gonna live, you are living in a world that is not, it's not ever gonna make sense to them why you live the way that you're living. And as you live in this world that is not your home, What you're waiting on is a savior. And that savior to return, and it is Jesus Christ as he returns and he ushers in this new heaven and this new earth. And as we wait, we have to figure out how we live. How we should live. But the thing is, Christians in our world today and churches in our world today have fallen into the same trap that the nation of Israel has fallen into. They have become distracted in the same way that the nation of Israel was starting to in Babylon. There is no place in our world that I've ever been where I hear more complaints about, or criticisms about our country or our community or people in general than I do some days when I come into different churches. The people that I see online that are the angriest, that spread the most hate, I see a cross in their bio. The people who I see and are the most ready to combat others say that they're doing it in the name of God. And there is this tendency to say what we should be doing in this world is we should be stirring up a ruckus. We should be causing problems. We should be doing stuff to make people look at us and we should be trying to lead a a spiritual revolution or war. And instead of combating the spiritual forces that are attacking our nation or the spiritual forces that are attacking our communities or our families, we should attack the individuals. We should attack people. And this is a lie that people get tricked into as they wait. But then there's the other side. There's the flip side where church after church is compromising their belief in scripture and their desire to hold to God's word so that they can fit in. There's not a community of people that I have ever seen compromise their beliefs to fit into culture or community that I do see in some churches. Where they are so willing to give up issue after issue instead of holding fast to what God says in his world. For some reason, there's this desire for church after church to fit in, to cave, to appeal to the masses. Anything is okay as long as you're a number in our weekly report. That's what churches say sometimes. And this is a lie that people fall into, that churches fall into as they wait. And as we look at what God tells the nation of Israel and what he he speaks through the prophet Jeremiah he says here's the thing we have to be a people that do both that hold to God's word that hold to his promises that obey his commands but that also care about people we have to be we have to be a foreigners right who are who have this address in heaven who have this citizenship in heaven and as we wait we have to hold fast to what god god calls us to and not conform but also understand that we're caring we should be caring about people around us that we should be praying for our community praying for our country praying for our family members who are lost and all the way in between. You see, God didn't tell the Israelites to complain and criticize the godlessness of Babylon. He didn't say, disobey my commandments to fit in where you could so you could get as many people to hear as possible. He said, pray for them and seek to do what will be best for them. Help them, seek peace. He said, pick up a hammer and look how to fix what's broken. Stop condemning the walls and start getting a hammer to fix it. And this is exactly what Paul emphasizes in Colossians chapter 4. Turn with me there if you would. Paul, he looks and he says, in our world... As we live as believers, we have to have a certain response, right? There's all this brokenness. There's all this hurt around us. You can look at culture. You can look at the community that you're living in. You can look at our country. You can look at our word. You can look at your family. There is hurt and brokenness and pain all around you. And he says, our response, we have to respond, we can't just sit there and condemn and, and, and say, you know, like, oh, this is a problem and never do anything about it. He says there has to be a response, and our response should be a motivation. And I loved last week that Pastor John he brought up this verse and he talked about how to do how to do it in uh, an in, in an individual sense, right, between you and the person that you've hurt or the pe- person that you've been hurt by and you. And he said this is how those conversations should happen. But as we look at the broader context of this passage, Paul is specifically talking about how to deal with the people around you in your world. He says, outsiders. Outsiders, people who don't understand why you're living the way that you're living. People outside the walls of the church, whether that's your family members or that's your, com- your country. He says, this is how you should respond. Starting in verse two, Colossians chapter four, starting in verse two. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us the door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech also, or always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. He says, look, look around you. You have this opportunity to interact with people who don't get it. They look at you and they don't understand you. everything about who you are and the way that you choose to live and what you say is valuable as someone who follows Jesus Christ is foreign to them. It makes no sense. He says, you have this opportunity to be around these outsiders, to interact with them, to interact with them as friends or people who maybe they knew you before Christ or your family members who maybe you've burned in the past. And he says... You shouldn't look at them and condemn or be filled with hate or be angry or just choose to just tear down every piece of how they live. No, you should look and you should see what they really need. And what they really need is the truth of the gospel. And here's the way that you can reach them with it. It's not just conforming. It's not just being accepting and it's not being hateful. What it is is, Walking carefully, walking with wisdom, walking in a way that has a desire to see what's best for them. Loving them, having conversations with kindness and grace, listening to them, sitting with them as they cry and as they hurt. And specifically, over and over, we see it both in the Jeremiah passage and now here in Colossians prayer. Prayer. If you're not praying for your community, if you're not praying for your country, all the way down to your family, you're missing it. You're waiting in vain. Things are not going to change if you're not praying. And so, like Paul, we have to be motivated to use our time wisely. I love that in verse 5. That verse 5 is so incredibly just rich. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. You don't have a lot of time while you wait. It may feel like a lot of time, but in the grand scheme of eternity, it's a blip. Use it the best you can. Don't get caught up in conforming and trying to fit in. And don't get caught up in trying to hate and be angry and frustrated and condemn. Use the time for the gospel, for the truth, and use it for prayer. And so you may be sitting here and say, you know, Justin, I agree with you. Right, I hear you. I think that's important. My family needs to know Jesus. My community needs to know Jesus. It'd be awesome if our country knew Jesus. But what does that have to do with my recovery journey? Right? Like, that's why I'm here tonight. What does that have to deal with my recovery journey? Over and over and over and over in studies and in the individual lives we see Your environment affects your recovery journey. The people that are around you affect your walk in recovery, how you're walking through your addiction. And so, if you sit and you have this same environment, if you go to rehab and you get really close to Jesus, you get saved and you get clean, and then you come back and you go to that same environment, odds are you're going to relapse. Statistics show 90% of heroin users relapse after they leave a recovery program. And it's because they go back to the same exact environment. And so if you want to succeed in your recovery journey, you have to change your environment or change your environment. Let me explain what I mean by that, because those are actually two different things. I said the same words, but those are two different things. You have to change your environment, which means get a new environment, right? Maybe surround yourself with some better friends. Maybe place yourself in a different workplace that helps you and encourages you. Come to recovery. Get involved in an AA program, right? Change your environment, Or change your environment. And when I say that is, there's some parts of your environment you just can't change. Right? You can't just pick up and move to a new part of town. As much as you may want to, sometimes you just can't. This is Satan trying to attack the word of God right now. And so, as we talk about these things, they impact your recovery journey because as you seek to do these things, to reach the lost, to care for your community, to encourage others and to pray for the godliness of your families, of the culture, of your country, of your neighborhood, it helps you grow too. It helps you to remain encouraged. It helps you to be held accountable. And so I preach this tonight because a lot of times we talk about what we gotta do for us in recovery a lot sometimes. Sometimes. But walking with Christ isn't always us. It's not always us-centered. Christ didn't call us to be selfish people. And so tonight, maybe you need to be reminded, you need to be a little bit less selfish and more focused on loving people as you wait, as you wait for Jesus. So the question I really want to leave you with as I close is what's one way you can bless someone in the community or the environment that you're in this week? What's one way you could maybe take that family member out to lunch that you haven't talked to since you got clean? What's one way maybe you could start praying for that person that you've burned and that has a really poor view of Christ because of how you have treated them? What's one way maybe you could show up for your neighbor who you've been having a feud with for the last who knows how long? What's one way that as you wait as a foreigner that you can help your community see Jesus? Because that's what we're called to do as we wait. Let's pray. Lord, tonight, we come to you. Lord, tonight, we recognize that we're waiting for you. And let us get excited about that. Because you are coming. You are faithful. And we are your people. But as we wait, Help us to love our communities. Help us to pray for our communities. Help us to seek what's best for our communities. And what's best for our communities is knowing you. Lord, and we do these things because you've called us to do them but also because it helps us grow closer to you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to be bitter and be people who are just antagonistic and people who are just angry, but you'd also help us to be, not be people who just roll over and conform when things get difficult, but you'd be, help us to be a people who both love the commands you've given us and love the people you've put around us. Lord, we seek you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we wait for you. Your precious name, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.